What did John Lennon say about the song? Go ahead. Quote, virtually the communist manifesto. So that song actually is not about a woman. That song is in the literal sense of that word, talking about a dog. Broadcasting from Nashville, Tennessee, offering a glimpse inside the music industry, shedding light on things they don't want you to know, and exposing some of the industry's biggest secrets. You're listening to the Turned Up Podcast, presented by Real Sound Productions. Here are your hosts, Jake Jones. Whoa, hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, yeah, we can't say that. And Robert Venable. Oh, headache. <laughs> Why do you have a headache, Robert? What's no reason? Did you stay up late last night? <laughs> I stayed up till 11 o'clock, which is approximately the time here in the central time zone where the ball dropped in New York in the eastern time zone so I could convince my kids it was actually the new year and I could go to sleep with a clean conscience. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was in bed by 7.30, as usual. A.M.? A.M. That sounds about right for you. <laughs> Man, I have the worst insomnia. It's, it's true. I get texts from you all the time. Like, randomly, I'll wake up at 6 in the morning to you know, to take my kids to school or As whatever. I'm telling you goodnight. And you're like, hey, I'm up here working on this track. Why are you up? <laughs> Way to hit the morning grind, Jake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I posted a meme recently that said, you know, you're adulting or, you know, you're finally an adult when 4 a.m. is early in the morning instead of late at night. <laughs> I guess I'm still not grown up yet. That tweet took off. That was, it was featured in like a moment on yep. Twitter. I yep. remember yep. that. You know, like thousands of retweets and likes. Regardless... Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2018. It's 2018, but I'm seeing 2020, so let's get right into this one. Boom. Mid that up. Sounds like a, a rap lyric. That way it should be. Write that down, put that in your note. Okay. How do you spell skip? <laughs> How do you spell the number two zero? Is it hyphenate? Did we say 2018? 2018? 2018? I remember wondering when it turned 2000 what we were gonna call. Is are we in the O's? Like is it thousands? The zeros? Is it where we're we going to be, yeah. 2017, 2018, 2018. I can't wait for 2020. I think that'll be a fun year. I don't know why. And then we'll be in the 20s. We'll be in the 20s again. The roaring 20s. Do we have any listeners who actually were alive in the 20s with me? Mm. <laughs> what is this episode about? I don't think that song means what you think it means. It reminds me of the quote from uh, Princess Bride. <laughs> That's where it came from. Inconceivable. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Inconceivable. <laughs> I wish there was a song called Inconceivable, and then we could just reference that in this whole thing. But it's the song is yet to be written. It's yours and mine for the taking. Done and done. We're going to do this uh, podcast episode about songs that don't mean exactly what you might think they mean. You know, kind of misconceived like concepts or or meanings of the song. Not, not misheard lyrics necessarily, but... This song, which we thought was a love song, actually means this. Or uh, you were telling me about some um, fairy tales. Not some fairy tales, nursery rhymes. Some nursery rhymes that uh, don't exactly mean maybe kid-friendly things. <laughs> They're pretty horrifying. But first, sitting across from me in this beautiful studio is the lovely Robert Venable, who's got his moves like Jagger. Oh, he is an award-winning producer, engineer, songwriter extraordinaire. He's a drummer for the band As We Ascend. He is one of my best friends in the whole world. And uh, something that I recently learned about him is, uh, is that he likes to scoop out the peanut butter out of Reese's peanut butter cups and fill them with mayonnaise and bananas for an afternoon snack. It's a lot better than it sounds. It, uh, it doesn't sound very good at all. 
Well, that it's not much better than that, but it's a little better than that, I guess. They're really good. You should try them. No. Jake Jones. Mm. The Jake Jones, producer, engineer, songwriter. This guy, I, I say it every week. I say it every single podcast. Multi-instrumentalist, like can play all the things. Looking around your studio right now, there are guitars on my left, guitars on my right. Hey, some of these guitars, guitars are, are yours now. Oh yeah, I do have a couple of guitars up, in here. Picking up a new instrument and you're a monster on the keys too. I should have mentioned that. I don't know that I can play. I feel like my fingers are too spidery for playing guitar. Like they don't wrap around the right way. We'll find out. You're going to give me lessons, right? You, you know it. I'd be honored. Teach how to play Mary as a Little Lamb. Well, you probably weren't playing that song, but you're playing other songs when you used to play guitar in the band We As Human. Uh, but you are currently playing in the same band as I'm drumming for, As We Ascend, as well as you're singing for it. Don't want to leave that out. That's exactly, that's a melody from one of our songs. <laughs> but here's something that you probably, uh, as a listener to this podcast, don't know that, about Jake Jones, our faithful co-host. Um, he also DJs at Junior High Dances. And he goes by the name uh, DJ from Full House. You're pronouncing it wrong. I'm so it's I'm white. It's DJ Waffle House. <laughs> Got it. Let me just autocorrect. It's, did that that's one. the German spelling. It's Hey Siri, beatbox for me. Here's one I've been practicing: boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats. And <laughs> Does boots. your Siri have an accent? Cats and boots and 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 cats. That's a. Uh, <laughs> what kind of accent does Siri have on your phone? My first remix. She's British. I wish she was Swedish. <laughs> Funful house. <laughs> Let's go to IKEA. <laughs> oh man. Okay. I think we should just jump into this episode. We are diving in, and uh, the first song that is not probably what you thought it was about. Uh, this one is <laughs> painful. Um, three blind mice. Three blind mice, three blind mice, see how they run, see how they run. Right? Lovely little song. You might remember it, Robert, back when you turned nine. It wasn't around when I was born. Well, songs weren't around when you were born. Right, um, there's just silence, and that's how we went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> this song, not about little mice at all. In fact, I think this is kind of interesting. Uh, Queen Mary the First... She was Catholic and England was mostly Protestant and she didn't like that. So she brutally tried to uh, convert the nation to Catholicism. Uh, She tried to completely expunge Protestantism. How do you do that? I don't know. uh, But in the process of doing so, apparently you get a nickname. And in her case, it was Bloody Mary. I knew that her nickname was Bloody Mary. I guess apparently forgotten why. Bloody Mary. The song is about three noblemen who had plotted against her. So she had them burned alive at the stake. And then someone decided to write a song about these three poor fellows. Three blind mice. These three Protestants. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Wow. I guess that that was a warning to the rest of the country. (laughs) We're Catholic now. Or else you're going to be at the fourth blind mouse. <laughs> Four blind mice. <laughs> the number just keeps going up. It was two blind mice last week. <laughs> uh, what's another? What's another children's song? Like I've heard, like "Ring Around the Rosie" is about um, the bubonic plague, right? Well, actually, so yes, that is the rumor is that it's about the bubonic plague and the posies they keep them in the pockets so that they didn't have to smell the dead bodies and that they would burn them and that's what ashes ashes we all fall down means but actually 
No, the song came out way after that, um, 19th century, and uh, most likely had more to do with the Protestant ban on dancing. Whoa. Um, teenagers would, as teenagers do, kind of found a way around this um, by doing what they called uh, play parties, or so these play parties. Um, they were ring games. I'm doing air quotes here um, where, yeah, they would sing these songs and dance around in circles Whoa. Um, and they weren't square dances, which were more traditional at the time. And so it was kind of like their the way they got around that rule. Um, so not a hundred percent sure on that, but pretty sure that is actually where the song comes from, but definitely doesn't have anything to do with the black plague. If you know the answer to this, shoot us a message because that's interesting. Uh, what about Jack and Jill? Oh, man. Jack and Jill. Jack fell down and broke his crown and Jill came tumbling after, right? Typical woman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. Unfortunately, it wasn't all of Jill. It was just her head. What? Off with her head. So it's rumored to be a euphemistic recounting of the deaths of French monarchs Louis the Sixth and Marie Antoinette. So they were both beheaded. And then Jack and Jill becomes Whoa. a nursery rhyme. Whoa. In the time that these nursery rhymes, these children's songs were being written, I mean, was, was, were the parents there not at all concerned that this was, <laughs> these little sing-songy type songs are all about beheading people and burning people at the stake? Well, I, you know, I... And I don't know the answer to this, but I imagine they either A, weren't intended as children's songs in the beginning. I know a lot of them over hundreds or even thousands of years, have, their meanings have kind of evolved, uh, some of the words. But also, um, news didn't travel like it travels today. You didn't open up Google and see the front page and know about the beheadings. You just some, heard from your friend about this cute song, and so you sang it. <laughs> This is a warning to all of you children. Obey your parents. All right, here's another one. London Bridge. Do you know about that one? Well, I knew it fell down. Well. Or it was falling down. Right? According to the song. I don't know According much about to the it. song. Well, so London Bridge, which has not fallen. Um, the, so there was a, again, a, a legend or a, a myth that if you sacrificed a child and buried them into an architectural structure, it would keep the structure from falling down. To keep it from collapsing. Yep. So they would sacrifice somebody's child, maybe like the foreman's kid? Or I have no idea. Just a kid. So, legend has it, there is a child buried in London Bridge uh, to help keep it sturdy. You're on a roll, man, with these whole children's songs nursery rhyme things right um i see on our on our notes here that you have something about humpty dumpty um but i'm not really sure what you're talking about you know humpty dumpty sat on a wall humpty dumpty had a great yeah the big the big egg man that just falls off the top of brick wall and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't come put him back together again was he an egg man or was he a man egg (laughs) i think he's an egg man uh, Humpty Dumpty is not about an egg man or a man egg at all. It's actually uh, during the English Civil War, um, there was a large cannon that fell off of its base, its post there, 
and it, they couldn't put it back. And so the soldiers started singing a song about Humpty Dumpty. So there's a big cannon up on a base that they had named Humpty Dumpty? Apparently. Hey, hey turn Humpty Dumpty to the left, 0.2 degrees. <laughs> Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> sounds very English. Maybe, maybe Humpty Dumpty just sounded better than... Cannon 24. <laughs> You'd have to memorize all the names of the cannons. Cannon 24 sat on a wall. Which cannon one? 24 had a great fall. Which one was Cannon 24? <laughs> you know, Humpty Dumpty. Oh, why didn't you just say so? <laughs> well, let's put them back up. I got one more for you. Hit me. Peter, Peter, Pumpkin Eater. Had a wife and couldn't keep her. That was easy. Next. <laughs> that song... Can you guess what it's about? Did he murder his wife? Uh, he did, actually. Whoa. So, she was a trifling... No, she was... <laughs> she deserved it. Next question. Uh, no, um, so Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater's wife apparently uh, was not faithful to him. So he murdered her, chopped her up, and stuffed her into a pumpkin. A very large pumpkin? Apparently a very large pumpkin. Multiple pumpkins? I don't know. Maybe. Was she a small woman? Maybe. She was when he was done with her. (laughs) (laughs) Then he baked her into a pie. No, that's not how it goes. Yep. That That is what that song is about. Speechless after that one. I'm just picturing this guy cutting up his wife and putting him putting her into a pumpkin shell. I bet he had 99 problems and a cheating wife wasn't one. (laughs) Speaking of 99 problems, though, Jay-Z has the song 99 Problems, right? And I'm not going to say which one isn't a problem. Um, But I bet you can guess the word. Whoa! Whoa, Okay, forgot about that part. Uh, Yeah, we can't say that. Definitely can't say that. That's a word that we do not want to say on here. So... That song actually is not about a woman. That song is in the literal sense of that word, talking about a dog. A female dog, in case you're not sure what word we're, we're talking about. So Jay-Z actually explained during a talk at the New York Public Library that the subject at hand here, that is not talking about a woman, it's talking about a canine unit that was looking for drugs in the car. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very hip-hop thing to do, or rap thing to do. Rap about a canine unit. <laughs> So it's it's definitely not about a woman, but I guess you can sing that song about however you need to if you're the singing type. <laughs> if that's not your problem anymore. Yeah, you can sing about it day or night, even at 3 a.m. Uh, you know it's 3 a.m., I must be lonely. That song was stuck in my head probably for a good decade. So Rob Thomas says you can actually, he said, well, here I'll quote. He says, you can use it for whatever you want to use it for. But he admits that he wrote the song 3AM about a time when he was about the age of 12 or 13, um, that his mom was fighting cancer. Really? Yeah. So if you go back and listen to that and think about it with that in mind, it makes sense. Probably Matchbox 20's biggest song. I think so. That's one of them. Thought it was about a booty call. That's what I think a lot of people thought it was about. (laughs) But he says, you can use it for whatever you want to. However, it's about my mom fighting cancer, so uh, change your mind. Right? I don't know. Sometimes songs like that, or or knowing the meaning of songs like that, just kills the song for me. Well, sometimes for me, it brings it back to life. So if it was a song that I didn't like previously, maybe I do like it now because I rekindled 
a love for the lyrics because I know what the songwriter or singer meant by them. Or sometimes it does kill it for me. You're right. Like, that one's a mood killer. <laughs> Do you know this song? Yeah, classic love song. Every move. It sounds kind of creepy. It, yeah, it actually is very creepy. It's a song about a possessive and controlling stalker. What? Yeah, Sting even, you know, the singer for The Police that right. sang that song, um, himself called the song, quote, very sinister and ugly. Really? Well, let's look in the lyrics here. It says, every breath you take, every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take, I'll be watching you. So Sting wrote the song in 1982 right after he split from Francis Tamelti and at the very beginning of his relationship with Trudy Styler, who actually was living next door to him and uh, Francis Tamelti at the time, who were married. Uh-oh. Yeah, so the split was a little controversial. Um, the Independent reported in 2006 that, quote, the problem was he was already married, like I said, to actress Francis Tamelti, who just happened to be Trudy's best friend since they lived oh. right next door in West London for several years before the two of them became lovers. So uh, the affair was widely condemned. Not a lot of people were uh, really happy about that, uh, as expected. So in order to like, kind of escape from the public eye and get out of people's you know news feeds and everything at the time, um, Sting decided to take a little vacation to the Caribbean where he started writing the song. And the lyrics are the words of a possessive lover who is watching every breath you take and every move you make. And uh, Sting says, quote, I woke up in the middle of the night with that line stuck in my head, sat down at the piano and had it written in half an hour. So the tune itself is generic, an aggregate of hundreds of others, but the words are interesting. It sounds like a comforting love song. I didn't realize at the time how sinister it is. Well, it's a good thing she, uh, she didn't chop him up and stuff him in a pumpkin. Come on, Peter. Peter, Peter. Well, follow me over this way real quick. Walk this way! Did you know that that song was actually inspired by the Mel Brooks film Young Frankenstein? No clue. Yep. Whoa, wait. I'm just picturing it now. Walk this way like Frankenstein. Uh, the title comes from a scene in the movie where Igor asks Dr. Frankenstein to walk this way, and the doctor, played by Gene Wilder, complies by imitating Igor's iconic limp. And that's where the song came from. So that's what you can think of every time you hear Aerosmith's Walk This Way from now on. Literally written about Frankenstein. <laughs> and Gene Wilder. Yep. Whenever I think of Gene Wilder, I like to think of uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Willy Wonka. Right. Which you can stay there until it's closing time <laughs> and then you gotta leave so closing time the song by semisonic listen here closing time open all the doors and let you out into the world still love that song i i used to sing that song i had a job in a restaurant and we'd be there washing dishes in the back in the kitchen and there was a radio station in northwest arkansas that would actually play that song about the time I was doing dishes almost every night. And it was just perfect. Oh, man. Well, and I'm sure so many bars especially would crank that song at 2 a.m. Because we all know that that song's about the closing time of a restaurant. Right? Or so we were led to believe. 
Actually, that song is about uh, about being, you know, the anticipation of fatherhood. It's You're about kidding. becoming a dad. Really? About the birth of a, of a child. Yeah. Um, the uh, let me see here. I've got it right here in my notes. The song was written by Dan Wilson and uh, said that the song is about quote being sent forth from the womb as if by a bouncer clearing out a bar. Really. So Wilson's girlfriend was pregnant at the time, and even though uh, Wilson did not, you know, consciously set out to write a song about giving birth. He stated, quote, partway into writing the song, I realized it was also about being born. Um, And here's the telltale lyric on that one. Closing time, time for you to go out to the places you will be from. Closing time, this room won't open till your brothers or sisters come. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's all about, you know, becoming a dad and your girlfriend slash wife having kids. Not about the bar closing. (laughs) So it's a weird song if you think about it that way. Uh, really, you could say it's a total eclipse of the heart. <laughs> Shaking your head. That was, that, was, that was a terrible segue. I liked that one. <laughs> so that, that song uh, by Bonnie Tyler is Bonnie's most successful song. I think we can all agree with that one, yeah. At its peak, it sold 60,000 copies. Ready for this? Per day. 60,000 copies a day. Yep. That's a lot of copies of a song. Approximately 6 million copies total. Yeah, I remember that one hit number one on the billboard and stay there for a while. Yeah, you know what that song's about? A total eclipse of the heart. It's a vampire love song. <laughs> Wait, so we have Frankenstein, now we have vampires. Yeah, apparently this one uh, could have could have waited to come out till Twilight. Till Twilight, yeah. I mean, it was ahead of its time. Well written. <laughs> so Jim Jim Steinman, the producer, uh, said in an interview with Playbill, uh, quote, with total eclipse of the heart, I was trying to come up with a love song and I remembered I actually wrote that to be a vampire love song. Its original title was Vampires in Love because I was working on a musical for Nosferatu, uh, the other great vampire uh, story. The other great one. I wonder what the first one was. If anyone listens to the lyrics, they really like vampire lines. It's all about the darkness and the power of darkness and love's place in the dark. Um, of course, the lyrics in that one that kind of give it away. Quote, every now and then, I know there's no one in the universe as magical and wondrous as you. Man, it sounds like vampires and stuff. Very like mystical. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think um, Edward would still be alive today. From Twilight? From Twilight, <laughs> yeah. He'd probably wreck his car if you're listening to this right now. Yeah, if he did, he'd probably crash into me. Yeah. Good segue, Jake. (laughs) Dave Matthews Band. Okay, so very soft and sincere love song. We all love that one. Um, But it seems to distract some listeners from the lyrics that are actually kind of creepy. So Dave Matthews actually admitted that it is indeed a love song, but it's one that had been written from the perspective of a peeping Tom. What? Not lying. So if you look closely at the lyrics, the song is definitely a celebration of women, although... That makes sense. It's from like a voyeuristic point of view. I've always wondered the line, hike up your skirt a little more and show your world to me. Yeah, that's dirty, but yes, it's a guy (laughs) looking through a window. At one point, literally standing outside of a woman's window watching her is what the lyrics are talking about. Oh, it's terrifying. Yeah, way to go, Dave Matthews Band. I'm still going to sing that song. Wish I was Carter Beaufort playing the drums. (laughs) Guy's a beast. Um, It, uh, you know, you... It wouldn't be as creepy if you were peeping on someone you were going to marry. Like Bruno Mars, marry you. It's a beautiful night. 
So that song, also, not a love song. Guess what it's about? Uh, wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Getting married? Nope, it's about boredom. You're kidding. You know, Bruno Mars actually doesn't want to get married, and he certainly won't commit to any solemn vows. Quote, it's a beautiful night. We're looking for something dumb to do. Also, another lyric, if we wake up and you want to break up, that's cool. No, I won't blame you. It was fun, girl. So this is not really about asking a girl to marry you. This is all about, I'm bored. Let's have fun. Let's go get married in Vegas and we can... If you want to leave, that's fine. We can... That's cool, girl. Yeah, you know, it's like, good. we'll go to Vegas, get married, annul it in the morning. Annul it later, just cares. Let's go to the White Chapel with Elvis. Um, Maybe get, you know, say those vows and say, I will always love you. I think we're going to let Dolly Parton and Whitney Houston sing that song. Right. A lot of us know the Whitney Houston version, but that is actually a Dolly Parton song. Which we covered in our episode about covers called Under Cover. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you know what that song is really about, Robert? I will always love you. Maybe saying goodbye to somebody? Uh, Well, yeah, kind of. Okay. Uh, It's about Dolly. Dolly wrote it about quitting her job. Um, The one that she had nine to five? Uh, yes. Working nine to five. <laughs> um, it was a peace offering to Porter Wagner, uh, the country band leader, TV star, Dolly's duet partner, and the man who had mentored her and helped her establish her career. Yeah, they were pretty tight for a long time. Like they, Dolly and, uh, what's his name? Porter. Porter. Yeah, like Dolly and Porter were always everything together. Yeah, well, they, yeah, they had that TV show. Um, and the song states clearly that he had an emotional impact on her, uh, for better and for worse, uh, but it was time for her to go her own way. Uh, he reluctantly agreed on the condition that he would produce the song. It's like, oh man, okay, fine, we'll split up as long as I produce the song. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I, I bet he wasn't too too upset about that for long. Definitely wasn't upset when those uh, paychecks started coming in. Definitely made it rain. You mean... Uh, so much that maybe there were some waterfalls. <laughs> Take a listen to that song. TLC definitely had a hit on their hands with that one. Um, actually spent seven weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 charts, giving their group their second U.S. number one song that they made. Um, also, the song gave them two Grammy nominations. Oh, that song was huge. I remember arguing in, uh, <laughs> this old really date me, in like fourth grade, um, that that uh, it, was, it was a song about a guy named Jason Waterfalls. Don't go, Jason. Waterfalls. Yeah, I, yeah. That's I'm telling you. That was <laughs> fourth grade minds is the best we could come up with. Jason Waterfalls wanted out. Apparently, it's actually uh, not about Jason Waterfalls at all. It's also <laughs> not about chasing waterfalls either. What is it about? Well, uh, it's about a lot of things. They covered a lot of issues in this short amount of time. This little four minute long song, such as promiscuity, uh, HIV and AIDS, and illegal drug trade. You're kidding. Check out these lyrics. One day he goes and takes a glimpse in the mirror. But he doesn't recognize his own face. His health is fading and he doesn't know why three letters, HIV, took him to his final resting place. Oh, wow. Yeah. uh, Jarrett Nolan of BMG noted that Waterfalls was the first number one song ever to reference AIDS in one of his verses. Oh, wow. So that song's a little darker. I've never never caught that line. I... I don't really sing. I just sing Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls or Don't Go Jason Waterfalls, as you would say. <laughs> um, and I don't really know much of the lyrics. 
because it goes too fast for me. I know my brother, who's probably listening to this, uh, used to saying, I get knocked down by an elephant. <laughs> They're never going to keep me down. I get, I bu- get knocked, knocked down, down by, by an, an elephant. elephant. I'll get knocked down <laughs> by an elephant. <laughs> Why is this guy peeing all night? <laughs> <laughs> he really had to He drank too much water before he went he to bed. He drank too much something. That's what that's exactly about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you probably shouldn't drive after drinking that much. You probably should get a ticket to ride. Mm. Like that one? Getting yes. cheesy, but I'm taking it. How about the Beatles song, huh? Ticket to Ride? Check it out. She's got a ticket to ride. She's got a ticket to ride. She's got a ticket to ride. But she don't care. This song, I don't know why this is so funny to me. It's not about uh, riding in a vehicle at all. Not like a train ride or bus ride? Uh, bus ticket? Train ticket? Nope. Not at all. Okay. Um, so back in the day in Hamburg, where the Beatles got their their first start, earmuffs. The uh, the ladies of the night had to carry a special card to say that they were STD free. Wow. Uh, and so the wow. Yeah, let's not even touch those lyrics that's, again. <laughs> uh, that's that's their ticket. Dude. Wow. Ride. Oh. <laughs> oh man. If this one stays in the podcast. <laughs> We apologize, <laughs> but we feel like you need to know the truth. One of my favorite facts uh, of this list today is about John Lennon's song, Imagine. Okay. I know that song. Um, check this out. Imagine all the people. beautiful it's got a great message it's so humanitarian-esque yeah it's a very iconic song no more wars everything is roses and awesome it's like the perfect song for like a grammy's backdrop while they're showing the credits of of all the people they need to thank and all that stuff or doing their montage yeah so rolling stone named this song uh by john lennon the third greatest song of all time so Rolling Stone actually described the lyrics as 22 lines of graceful, plain-spoken faith in the power of the world, united in purpose to repair and change itself. That's deep, right? I mean, could you say anything nicer about a song? It's really deep. What did John Lennon say about the song? Go ahead. Quote, virtually the communist manifesto. <laughs> yep. Um, in fact, Jimmy Carter once said it was used almost equally with national anthems. It was praised so much. John Lennon laughing all the way to the bank. Once the song became a smash hit, uh, he actually went on the record as saying, quote, because it's sugar-coated, it's accepted. Now I understand what you have to do to get your message across with a little honey. Whoa. Yep. That's pretty profound. Yeah. Just people ate it up. People are still eating it up. It's still a huge song. And uh, it was written, the author of the song, John Lennon, was like, it's just straight up communism. That's what I wrote it as. That's what it is. That's what it means. And here we are, just everybody's singing it. <laughs> Born in the USA. That's another one. We didn't make the list um, with that one, but but uh, look up the meaning of that one. There are a lot of songs, actually, Jake, that 
in our research, uh, you and I found that we didn't include in today's podcast because a lot of them were kind of repetitive. Like, okay, another song about drugs, another song about drugs, another song about, uh, you know, like topics that we didn't really want to dive into or couldn't explain to keep our clean rating on right. on iTunes. Um, but it, if you're interested, uh, shoot us a message and we can give you some things to look into or do your own research and let us know what you found. But I mean, there's a t- ton of them about drugs, some about like murder, some about yeah, abortion. Sure missed some songs. Like Goo Goo Dolls slides about abortion, Ben Folds Brick, The Verve Pipe, The Freshman. Like all those songs are all about that. And like, just, it, there's so many things that we didn't cover that we could have. Um, if you're, if you're an adult over 21 <laughs> and you want to look up Tutti Fruity, look up that oh, song and find oh out what it's gosh, about. Oh my gosh, that one is horrible. It, there's just things that we didn't feel right about talking about on this podcast. We pushed some boundaries, but man, I'm telling you, there's a dark world that hit top 40 radio. Right. And here we are thinking, oh, it's such a, you know, these are such cute songs or so funny or we sing them to our kids as they're trying to go to sleep. Dancing, right? (laughs) Here's one about three people who are burned to the stake. Hi, little junior. This, uh, this one's about how if we decide to build our own home someday. We're going to bury you in the cornerstone to make sure that it stays sturdy. <laughs> That'd be a very, very solid, sturdy house, though. <laughs> well, we covered a whole bunch of like Christmas songs last week, or I guess it was two weeks ago now, um, in that podcast about all the Christmas songs, what they really mean, and the hidden lyrics and uh, m- lyrical content meanings behind those. But we thought we would shed a little bit of light on the ones that uh, that that we sing the other eleven months of the year, right? So, Since uh, we don't have uh, spring and summer carols anymore. No more caroling. No more Halloween carols. <laughs> so what are some of your favorite uh, songs that might not mean what everybody else thinks they mean? I would love to, to hear them and maybe we can uh, talk about them next week on our episode as well. Yeah, even uh, even our band As We Ascend has some songs that definitely are not what people assume they mean. They're like, oh, we figured it out. Yeah, this is obviously about this. It's fun, you know, and sometimes I I enjoy people not necessarily knowing what they really mean because for me personally, like I said earlier, uh, it can be really interesting to know what song is really about, but sometimes it's like when a song has its anonymity, you're able to kind of put your own spin on it and apply it to your own life, right? Especially with love songs or what we perceive as love songs. Oh, now, yeah, for sure. Learning, you know, that a lot of them aren't. is like, well, you know, you can you know, sing the song to someone or, or send it to them now, you know, you can gift them a song to their phone and say, oh, this is so cute. You yeah, know, yeah. I love you. It's it used to be mixtapes. 3 a.m. I must be lonely. Here's my playlist. <laughs> right. Here's my Apple Music playlist. Here's my Spotify playlist. Oh, I got some mixtapes and CDs. Dude, so as songwriters, you and I both know that when we're writing, like you said, you kind of write with a generic sense that it can apply to the most amount of people. Like, you don't want to write... You, when you're wearing those blue leopard shoes and your orange socks every day with one earring in, and you have a runny nose every day, like it's very specific. <laughs> and who can relate to that? But you know what I mean? Like when you wear those shoes, if you say that instead. Hang suddenly, on, I'm still writing those lyrics down. Oh, yeah, but that's one of my lyrics. Uh, but so when you like, doing. yeah, you make it generic, more people relate to it. I learned a lot. That was fun. Yeah, man. What was your favorite one? My favorite one was Aerosmith's Walk This Way. I think that is so funny that this song is about a movie, a funny movie. I didn't know that I Will Always Love You is about quitting a job. I thought that was the most interesting to me. Besides, I was going to say Walk This Way, but you just said it, so I didn't want to seem like a copycat. So <laughs> I went with my second place. Sorry, one. I stole your idea. Well, dang it. <laughs> 
Man, huge thank you to Robert Venable for your research into this topic. Yours too, Jake. This is going to be uh, mixed and edited by you, Jake Jones. <laughs> huge thank you to Real Sound Productions. And thank you, driving in your car, bathing under your armpits right now, scrubbing those clean, or walking the dog, sitting on a bus, whatever you're doing, for keeping us at number one over the Christmas holiday. That was kind of cool to see. On Christmas Day, that's number one pod- podcast charts. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, our new friends in India... And of course, our friends in Bangladesh. And our friends in Canada. Who are our other? We saw a whole bunch of new friends pop up as uh, in tracking where you can see where people are hitting us from um, and pinning or pinging our podcast and listening to it all so, over the world. Russia. I think we hit, we have, we have Aussie friends, U- UK, okay, everybody. We've got them all. We have all the friends. Although if you want to make the friendship official, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. At Turned Up Podcast or forward slash Turned Up Podcast on Facebook. Or TurnedUpPodcast.com. Thank you so much again. um, Keeping us number one. Make sure you come back next week for another awesome episode of the Turned Up Podcast. We'll be here. Um, And once you do make our friendship official on, on the Instagram and Twitter and Facebook realms uh, please change your facebook status to it's complicated or in a relationship with turned up podcast we'll take it <laughs> we just want to know that we're official please it's, it's not official till it's on facebook but until next week this is nashville signing out peace peace